Welcome back, everybody. It's Brian Tuck. Welcome to Creator Confidential. This was a really fun episode to do. This was a remote out in Pittsburgh. I was fortunate enough to be hosted by a gentleman named Al Grosso at Allegheny City Brewing. I did a meet and greet for the law practice out there as I continue to um, develop uh, the, the legal practice out in Western Pennsylvania. And Al has a really great startup story. And one of the things that I always preach to people that I'm either coaching or, you know, if it's a job coaching or career coaching situation, or they are, you know, legal clients, one of the things that I preach is that in your business plan, you have to build in an aspect of social impact or community building, neighborhood engagement, whatever you want to call it. But that is absolutely key to getting traction. And it's the right thing to do, I think, from a moral business ethics standpoint. What you're about to hear is my interview with one of the founders of Allegheny City Brewing, Al Grosso. And it was a great time. We're going to do some more remotes. I have one coming up in Philly in a week or so for the next episode. And I think uh, it's being out in the field and, and out away from uh, the home base is really uh, a rewarding experience on many levels. And if you like what you hear on this episode, go check out some some of the others. We're, we're on Apple Podcasts. The show is also on Stitcher. It is on SoundCloud, and it's totally free. And if you if you enjoy what you hear, go subscribe or follow the show on one of those sites. And also, there's a mailing list, which um, has periodic updates about essays and live events and seminars and all of that kind of thing. So if you want to get on my mailing list, just text the word CREATOR. C-R-E-A-T-O-R, text the word CREATOR to 66866, cannot be any easier. But here it is, episode 55, Al Grosso, Allegheny City Brewing, check it out. You're listening to Creator Confidential with attorney, author, and musician, Brian Tuck. Brian's legal practice is focused on arts and entertainment law, startups, nonprofits, and faith-based organizations. To learn more, visit tucklaw.com on the web. Creator Confidential starts now. So I'm joined today by Al Grosso, who is the owner of Allegheny City Brewing in Pittsburgh's North Side. Al, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Tell us about how you got into the bar business. Sure. So um, there's three of us that own Allegheny City Brewing, uh, myself, Amy Yurkovich, and Matt Yurkovich. Um, we all knew each other various ways going back to early 2000s, all born and raised in Pittsburgh. And one way or the other, we all ended up in Denver or in Colorado. Uh, and we took a lot of trips together, both within Colorado and surrounding states, Montana, Utah, Wyoming. And every city we went, every town we went to had a really cool little local brewery. And we kind of fell in love with the craft beer scene out there. Um, at the same time, 
Matt and I started homebrewing and we kind of fell in love with the, the, the beer focus side of it as well. Um, so we did, we, we, we brewed beer, we uh, homebrewed for, you know, a good 10 years or so. And at the same time, kept traveling to check out new breweries along the way. Um, and, but in the back of our heads, we always wanted to come back to Pittsburgh. All of us have family here, wanted to get back to our native Pittsburgh. And so, um, you know, like every home brewer out there, we've got, we had an aspiration to open a brewery. Uh, we started working on a business plan and we told ourselves as long as it kind of made sense on paper, we'd keep moving forward. So in 2013, we moved back to Pittsburgh, started to look for uh, location, financing, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Amy and Matt being native Northsiders were very much focused on the north side. Uh, myself being more from the South Hills, like wanted to look at other neighborhoods, but we all collectively agreed and, um, that North Side was where we wanted to be. And in 2012, we found a building. And in 2013, we opened the brewery. Just out of curiosity, what was, how did you all end up in Colorado? What, was, what were the circumstances of that exactly? <laughs> I won't get too into the details. But so, so Amy and I dated in Pittsburgh, okay. and then we broke up. And so I wanted to get the heck out of Pittsburgh because, you know, it wasn't a good place for me to be. Gotcha. I didn't, uh, I just wanted a new, a fresh start. So I moved out to Denver in, in 2003. Uh, I still stayed close friends with Matt throughout the process. And he moved out to Boulder in uh, early 2004. And then through the course of the next couple of years, um, Amy and I reconnected. We started talking more and more. And she came out to visit both Matt and I multiple times, rafting trips, hiking trips, camping trips, and fell in love with it as well. At that time, she was looking for a change of pay, or a new career, kind of looking to start kind of a new direction. And I wanted to go back to school. And so she decided that she'd kind of go back for a, a, a program in Denver rather than Pittsburgh. And so she moved out um, in 2005 and the rest was history. And you opened in 2013? We opened in uh, September 28th of 2013. So you're, you're up on that five-year anniversary that is so tough yeah. for startups to get to where, you know, the... I'm sorry, I misspoke. We opened, we, we moved back in 2013. Okay. We're not on a five-year yet. We uh, opened September 28th of 2016. We're just at two years. Okay, yeah. but you're out of the first two years and yeah. like, as everybody knows you get through the first year, your chances of success, long-term success, that is, go up a bit. Then you make it out of year two, your chances get better, and, and um, it just keeps climbing. So that's, that's great. I mean, how have you, you know, knowing what you know now mm -hmm. as, a, as a startup business in a field that was not a lifelong thing for you, in terms of a career change, knowing what you know now, what were the, what would sort of the biggest pieces of advice you might have for other people looking to do the same thing? Sure. So in the craft beer world, I mean, it's a popular place to be right now. It's a popular kind of segment of the world. Um, and it's a lot of fun. Um, the biggest hurdles are kind of having the fortitude and stick-to-itiveness um, to stick with the process because nobody ever opens a brewery when they think they're going to open a brewery. I mean, the best advice I ever got was, was from another brewery here in Pittsburgh <clears throat> when we first moved back, and I, I, they, they were nice enough to sit down with me, and they said, take your schedule and double it. 
Um, and that was true it, because there are so many hurdles because on a, like just from a re regulatory perspective, there are city, county, state, and federal approvals along the way. And everyone's got a different thing that they're looking for. And so it's quite an arduous process. Um, so, you know, and then there's also fabrication of equipment, contracts, you know, funding, uh, bank loans, all that sort of stuff. But it, it took us close to a year longer than we anticipated to get open. So from the perspective of, you know, like what, what would I, what, what did I wish I had known? I mean, I was warned early on, but you still think best case scenario, oh, we'll be open in the spring, oh, we'll be open in the summer, oh, we'll be open in the fall. But it's it's a very um, arduous process. And it's something that I, from my conversations with other brewers, everybody goes through. So from the, just from the timing perspective, it's a lot of work. It's a lot more work than you'd realize. Well, and you're really starting two, almost two businesses at once, the brewery part of the operation and then the retail part of the operation, which is hard enough by itself without all of the, like you said, you know, Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board and all of those other hoops you have to jump through on the production side um, in particular. Sure. Um, so you've been in, so you came back to the neighborhood, not exactly the neighborhood where you grew up, but how, how far away are you located from where you and your partners grew up? Oh, within... A mile and a half. So that gets us to a subject that I knew I'd wanted to ask you about, which is sort of the importance of social impact or, sure. or, or community engagement. Um, you know, when you read a lot, of, uh, a lot of the business press as millennials take a larger part of the workforce, that seems to be one of the key things that they all cite as being really important to them in terms of what workplace they choose or, or what companies they want to do business with. Talk a little bit about how you've integrated into the neighborhood here. Sure. Um, I think the, the most important thing for us is to just be authentic, be who we are and represent what we care about. And I mean, I, I can't speak to different generations to be quite honest. I think the greatest thing, one of the greatest things about Elegant City Brewing is we have all generations represented here. You know, there are people that are well past retirement that come in for a couple of beers. There are people that are just turned 21. Um, so I can't speak so well to the generation piece, but what I can say is that for us, it was very important when we wrote our business plan, when we decided truly what we wanted to be, we wanted to be a neighborhood place, a neighborhood spot. And I think when we first started kind of talking to banks and investors and lenders, they didn't really know what that meant. They're like, well, you're a bar. What, what do you mean? We're like, we're, we're not really a bar. We're more like uh, your kind of neighborhood coffee shop, your neighborhood bakery, a place that you just go and hang out and you have a couple beers, but you play some board games, you uh, watch a game on TV, you get to know your neighbors. And that's the thing that we're very prideful of is there's so many people from the neighborhood that have come in here that didn't know each other when they came in. They start, they get to know each other here. And the next time we see them, they're coming in together, you know, so like developing relationships within the neighborhood specifically. Now, yeah, we want to sell beer all over Pittsburgh, all over, you know, we want people to come in from all over the state, all over the world. But our, pri our, our primary, one of our primary focuses, in addition to making great beer, is to be a true neighborhood establishment. And so when we started presenting this, to, this concept to some of the 
the neighborhood folk, like we didn't really know what we were trying to do. We just told them what we wanted to be. And, and they, some of these people that like do this for a living explain to us this concept of a third place. And it's you have work, you have home, and then you have a third place. The third place is where you relax, you get to know your neighbors, you go to have a good time. And we were like, that's exactly it. That's exactly what we want to be. It's we want to be this third place. And so for us, it's been important to be that. We know, you know, we want to know our, many of our patrons on a first name basis. We want them to, you know, ask us favors of us. We want to be able to ask favors of them. We want to just be kind of integrated into the community. Um, and then along that, as far as the social responsibility piece, you know, there are tenants that Amy, Matt and I are, are truly committed to with regards to like, you know, being responsible stewards of the environment. We're big into animal advocacy. We're big into people advocacy, but just types of things that just try to be a good neighbor. So we, we, we host, you know, quarterly neighborhood cleanups where if you go out and pick up a bag of trash on a Sunday, you come in and drink free for an hour. You know, we host fundraisers for a local animal, um, you know, uh, advocacy group or, or shelter quarterly where proceeds go to them. So we, we try to do a lot of things to, you know, not that we're like, you know, so big and so important, but we have a little bit of a soapbox to stand on and we try to use that opportunity to kind of uh, put out there things that we care about and have people participate, give them give them opportunity to participate in things that are good, we believe are good for the neighborhood. Are those out, you know, are those types of outreach initiatives are they are they client driven or are they are they are they do they sort of come out of you what you know what's personal to you what causes you believe in or generally do you have other people coming up saying hey this is a great idea you know can you take a look at it you must get a lot of those i would think no that's a good question um because i hadn't really thought about that before so when we first started our Obviously, our motives, our, our tenants were things that Amy, Matt, and I cared about. And so those were the things that we focused on. And those have continued to be things we focus on. But as um, like regular patrons, neighborhood members come in and talk to us about things that are important to them, we do contribute to those causes as well, be it a fundraiser, be it just contributing, you know, something for a raffle basket at, uh, at a at a an outside fundraiser that they care about. But I mean, so I think like the tenants that we specifically care about, environmental concerns, animal advocacy concerns, those types of things are front and foremost in our minds. But also things we care about are our, our, our neighbors and patrons. And so when they come in with a, a cause that we align with, we'll certainly support that and we, and we do quite frequently. What's next for... ACB. Can we use the acronym? What do you, sure, do you guys Sure, absolutely. ACB is, that's how we, that's how we, that's how we say it. It's too long to say. Yeah, it's a lot of sounds. Yeah, we, we say ACB all the time. So. What's, what's on the horizon for you guys? Do you from the perspective, perspective of, of like, uh, next, next stage, or? next stage growth? That's a good, that's a good question too. It's something that we debate on a weekly basis. Um, you know, it's, we're, we're kind of almost to the point of uncharted territory. You know, we wrote a business plan to be something and, in two years, we've we've pretty much accomplished that. So now the the question is, how do we maintain what we set out to accomplish while being able to reach a little bit further in some new directions? And what I mean by that is like you know there there's a lot of opportunities and there's a lot of uh, buzz in the craft beer world for canning beers, open a second location, you know expansion sort of things. 
But, and, and those things are all on the table for us as well. But, but our first and foremost concern is how do we not lose what we are, you know, what we've built to be. We want our patrons to still see Amy, Matt, and I behind the bar along with Ben and Alexa. We want them to, you know, still know that this is a small neighborhood establishment. So how do we, how do we balance that? How do we make decisions moving forward so that we can capitalize on growth opportunities? Because, you know, we're, we're not a nonprofit. We do want to make a, a fair living. But, um, but now that we've kind of achieved our first two-year goals, we're, we're embarking on the next phase of our growth. And it's really a balance of how do, we, how do we consider our realistic growth opportunities because craft beer is a growing market right now and there's mm-hmm. the, time to now, the time is now to strike, um, balanced with how do we not do things that will kind of alienate or, or step back what we've worked so hard to be as a neighborhood, neighborhood establishment. So things like canning beer, increased distribution, maybe a, a, a bigger building, a second building, they're all on the table, but none of those are None of those are happening for sure right now, and they'll never be at the expense of losing what we've built here in Deutschtown. And and you produce everything on site, or do you have any production yes, no. capabilities? All, no, that, and that's that's yeah, that's the, those are the kind of things we're talking about. All, all production currently is on site. Half of our building is tap room. The other half is brew house. Um, you know, if we could find a building across the street or behind us, you know, would we maybe brew production there and increase our tap room size? That would be something we'd be interested in. But, you know, we would never move out of the neighborhood and we would never not have a brewing presence on site here. And so those are the things that we, that we, we not wrestle with, but, but work to balance right now. But everything is done currently on site within these four walls. It seems that in Pennsylvania especially, there are, the competition is ferocious among craft, craft brewing companies. I, I mean, I think at least when you look back, 10 years ago, even, there weren't nearly as many as there are now. I know I should have these figures absolutely, absolutely. at my fingertips, right. but it, I, I, it seems like everywhere you turn, there's another, you know, yet another um, you know, kind of label springing up. Sure. I guess the semantics, I would argue, is that it's not ferocious in the least. It's, there's inc- certainly you know, five-fold more breweries than there were five years ago. But uh, the awesome thing is that like this industry just kind of, I think based on what people are looking to get out of it, are very much, I mean, they're very much for-profit businesses and, they're, and, they're, and there's a lot of really smart business people in it, but they're also people that are grounded in this concept of collaboration, um, partnership, and you know, concept of a rising tide raises all ships. So like, I, I don't view anybody, any other brewery in town here as competition to be to be honest, you know, I'm, I'm on, lucky enough to be on the board of something called the Pittsburgh Brewers Guild that was just formed last November, and it was formed, and it represents every brewery in Allegheny County, all 30-something of us, the idea being that um, to represent the collective interests of us. And there are six different breweries represented on the board, and we take a lot of time out every month to focus on things that are good for the collective of us rather than what's good for our individual businesses. And and there's a lot of, you know, through social media, through websites, through, you know, um, email, text messages, a lot of uh, collaboration, partnership, and just sharing information um, out there to the point where, you know, if we're short a bag of grain on a brew day, we can put a message out there on this little Facebook group we have, and uh, there'll be five people within 10 minutes to say, sure, I got it, come on, pick it up. Um, you know, if people have questions about a technique or a problem they're having, they post it and there's five people that are saying, sure, I'm welcome to check it out. I'm willing to, I'd love to take it to my lab and check it out. So 
I mean, you say competition. I hear what you're saying. There's a lot more breweries. Right. But we all kind of like, not our lockstep, but we all work together recognizing that the greater we can develop the craft beer culture in this region, the better it is for all of us. Yeah, I mean, it's you'd be hard-pressed to think of another industry where that's the case. You know, if, if it were, sure. you know, if it were... Um, auto dealerships or like pick something totally unrelated where it's a much more um, numbers driven enterprise. And again, like not that you're not, but, right. but the spirit of collaboration seems much more present sure. in, and, in, in your, in your neck of the right. woods than, than other and, other I, and I think why that is, is, I mean, honestly, there are some really, really smart business people in this industry. So, and, and are very, shrewd business people but I think there's not a lot of people that grow up or go to college saying I want to own a craft brewery so something that you encounter like kind of later in life and you kind of experience it yourself typically and you realize this is something that I like to what what this these breweries stand for is something that I care about so most people that get into it have made a career change have left the corporate world for this to start their own brewery to throw caution to the wind and say screw it I'm going to open a brewery I'm walking away from my nine comfortable nine to five and I'm going to put my nose to the grindstone and, you know, be chef cook and bottle washer for five years and do this. And so I think everyone knows a, what each other's going through and B the, the reason they did it is a, because I mean, you wouldn't do it if you couldn't make a fair living, but B because what it represents and you know, it represents great beer, but it also represents community partnership collaboration. And, and I think that's, partially what drew most people in this industry to it um, and so I think that's why it's a little different than most industries you know it's, it's it's about the bottom line but it's about a lot more than the bottom line well I can't thank you enough for for taking some time out I know you guys are about to open so we'll uh, we'll get out of your way but Absolutely. but thanks again and, and everybody when you're in Pittsburgh get to the north side and go to Allegheny City Brewing We will talk to you soon. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks for listening to Creator Confidential. To get future episodes, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or follow the show on SoundCloud. For updates about future podcast episodes, essays, or live events, just text the word CREATOR to 66866. That's CREATOR to 66866. 866. You can also visit us on the web, Twitter, or Facebook. Creator Confidential is a production of Force 10 Media and the Tuck Law Offices.